Welcome to Hustle & Pro, talking sports from youth to pro. We'll bring you compelling stories from athletes, coaches, professionals, and fans, all with the common thread of something we love to talk about, sports. We're coming to you from Visual Learning Solutions in Frisco, Texas. I'm your host, Kelly Walker. Today, we're talking about the toll of pressure and stress in sports. Mental health and the importance of it isn't really new, but there's been a lot of open um, discussion and a kind of a surge of, of bringing awareness to mental health and how to keep ourselves and our athletes of all levels healthy on and off the field. After a word from our sponsors, we'll be right back to meet our guests and get started with Hustle & Pro. This episode is sponsored by Red River Social Sports. Play hard, socialize harder. Red River Social Sports allows players to make new friendships and bonds through sports and a fun social outlet for adults in the North Dallas area. The sports they offer include volleyball, kickball, flag football, and even bar games. Connect with them on Facebook and Instagram. You can find them at Red River Social Sports. Play hard, socialize harder. Welcome back. As we bring on our guest and our friend, Tyler Wallace. Hello, and thanks for joining us, Tyler. Hey, Kelly. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. This is a different topic for us, but you and I have some different perspectives and different lives and experiences on this topic, and so that's why I wanted to talk to you. So obviously, so I'm female, and I'm a parent, and I worry a lot about the topic of mental health um, certainly in my life and I have little athletes. And so that comes into a play a lot and you bring a different voice because being male. Um, and so I wanted to bring you on and talk about this, like I said, sort of a popular topic that's, that's coming to light lately, which is a good thing. I think part of the reason we even wanted to have this conversation was because October was mental health awareness month. And so we started talking about it and I said, let's jump on and, and, you know, open up the conversation. So you ready to, to get started? Let's do it. All right. So kind of first, I want to just start off by defining what we're even talking about, about mental health. So it's really um, including our emotional, psychological, and social well-being, and it affects how we think, we feel, and we act. It also helps determine how we handle stress, um, how we relate to others, even choices that we make. So mental health is also important at every stage of life, from childhood um, and adolescence through adulthood, which we're going to talk a little about those. So I guess I want to start off, Tyler, with kind of asking you, like, when did um, this topic even become important to you or even on your radar? So I guess it's honestly, it's something that I've kind of struggled with forever. But, you know, like a lot of others, um, 2020 for me was whenever it really, you know, so many of us are go, go, go that, you know, when quarantine hit, and it's like all of a sudden, it's like, holy cow, it's a hot mess in my head. And um, that's whenever I really started um, like focusing on my mental health, um, not just kind of sweeping everything I was feeling under the rug, you know? Yeah. So what ways did you feel that it affects you? So I, I've always dealt with like it was it was. As you said, like we're two different. Um, kind of situations like I'm a single male and so you know I have that that you know kind of internal drive to you know I'm fine everything's fine keep it all inside and just deal with it later and um, right. so I've, I've always dealt with some 
some depression where I've, you know, I've had days where it's like you feel sad and you have no idea why. And it's like, I remember days where all I could do is just, you know, lay in bed and just felt like a zombie with just my head was just empty. I had no thoughts and I didn't have any, any desire to do anything. And so, um, like I said, once we hit quarantine, that's whenever I really had to start taking some steps to, um, getting my head right. So I'm, I'm always is, go, go, go right? socially. And so it, it, it was, there was never really an opportunity to just sit there and say, okay, what do I, what's going on with me inside? Yeah. And I think that that is more common than we realize that's going on in other people's lives. We all put on a, a different show and face um, outwardly. And so I do think that it affects more people than, than we realize. Um, I want to touch on kind of, I want to get your input um, as this relates to mental health and sports for a minute too. So um, recently here in Frisco at the induction for the National Soccer Hall of Fame, um, a former soccer player and now coach, um, Steve Cherandolo, was giving his acceptance speech and he actually used that opportunity to talk about mental health and sports. And um, I want to read some of the things that he, he said. He said, every day people suffer, especially athletes. The pressures are even greater with social media. Um, he talked about there being highs and lows of the sport. Um, he said, your brain should be like other parts of your body. You need to give it time to heal and recover. Um, and I want to talk about this in a minute too, but hopefully the, the being tough and just get through it mentality um, is archaic in their old ways and we don't necessarily take that approach with athletes anymore, hopefully. Um, and the bottom line is suffering should be temporary. Like when you were just talking about having those days when you feel numb and just depressed, that that in itself isn't necessarily a problem, but should it be temporary feeling. And when you can't um, move away from that feeling is, is when there's a problem. Um, but I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on how he talked about needing to rest your mind just like you would rest an injury physically that you're getting through as an athlete. So do you, do you see that, you know, athletes, especially ones that are in the spotlight, do you think that they are resting their mind enough? No, I mean, especially now. I mean, whenever I was in high school, I remember times where it's like, you know, you have, you have football practice and it's like right after getting broken up with or something, and it's like, you know, 15, 16-year-old kid, when your emotions are like that and it's like not not feeling like you can tell someone like hey i you know i i need the day off like i i i just don't feel right um so it, it it's challenging especially now with how much you know the younger kids are on social media just constantly and so it's i mean i find myself even in adulthood it's like whenever you you can't help but feel it whenever you post something on instagram or facebook and it gets a lot of likes. I mean, it's one of those kind of high endorphin feelings. And um, I can only imagine what it's like, you know, managing that as a as a young kid. Um, yeah, I wish, I wish it had been something more important back then. Yeah, I think social media is a huge factor in what our younger um, generation is going through when they are See, feeling the effects of things like depression um, because it, a lot of your identity can end up hinging on the levels of engagement you get or the likes or the comments. And then it, the yeah. second you get anything negative coming your way, it just kind of compounds and you feel it, you take it 
really personal because they don't have all the maturity that some of us do to just blow it off. It's hard to blow that stuff off. I struggle from that. I get in Twitter fights and things and it, it like, it bothers me and it can set me into this weird funk or mood. Um, so one yeah. thing you said reminded me, um, Michael Phelps is a big name athlete, obviously, who um, has famously said, it's okay to, to not be okay. Um, I actually yeah. think he might have said that um, when Simone Biles was was having issues this summer with mental health. But um, he joined a board of a company that specifically that diagnoses mental health disorders. And then in 2018, he spoke out about his own battles with ADHD and, and with depression specifically. Um, but it it's it makes me wonder why athletes avoid this topic so much um, historically. I know now it's being a little more commonplace, but still, I mean, only a handful out of all the athletes that we look. But like, do you think it's do you think it's embarrassment? Do you think it's them not really wanting to take a risk of like letting their brand suffer and and you know those kinds of things or, or just the general stigma? Yes. Like, what are your thoughts on that? So I, I think it's just like a general stigma. I don't think that it, it, it's it's so much of, you know, their brand. Um, because really, I mean, in most cases, it, you know, when a when an athlete comes out about struggling with, you know, mental health issues, um, oftentimes they're, you know, they're praised for doing so because um, they're, they're, the reality is, is we're all struggling with some sort of, you know, mental challenge, whether it be, you know, body dysmorphia or, or depression or anxiety, what have you. I mean, everybody's dealing with something. So I think a lot of it is just that, that stigma and, and, you know, historical stereotype of, you know, especially with male athletes, it's like, we, we have to, we have to show like no emotions. We have to be strong. And, and, and at the end of the day, it's like he said, it's, you know, we're all dealing with something and it's okay to not be okay. What's not okay. And, right personal opinion is not saying something. And you bring up a good point when you said um, a sign of, I think you said a sign of strength, which then you go to, okay, weakness and this and that. Um, Because some people do, that is part of why the stigma is there, because there is this notion around mental health issues or, or the outcomes of some of those. Like when Simone Biles doesn't compete, right, in the Summer Olympics, um, people say lazy or weak. Um, and I, you know, I felt bad thinking she's getting attacked and kind of getting seen that way, but it makes me happy when I hear her recent interviews that she said, no, I was received with love and positive encouragement and people had understood, which is great. I'm glad she didn't feel the negative or the outlash that I, you know, saw on some social media, which we all know people on social media will say mean things when they don't know the person or will ever see the person face to face. Um, but, you know, the reality is that people or that mental health problems actually have nothing to do with being lazy or weak. Um, and various factors that keep, go into having a mental health problem, including like biological things, genetics, physical illnesses, injuries, brain chemistry, life experiences, traumas, all kinds of different things. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, talking about seeing it as a sign of strength rather than a sign of weakness. And I think that's an important piece of shifting that whole stigma, right? And helping get get kind of to the yeah. next step with this. Exactly. And I mean, in a position like that, I mean, I know how hard 
like we practiced as kids in high school and it's like on a Olympic level or a professional level like that. I mean, I can't imagine trying to contain your emotions and train that hard day in, day out and be expected to, to not, um, you know, be okay in the head sometimes. Right. And with, with the Simone Biles example, I was shocked at first. I got up early because of the time change and was like, wait, what's happening with my app? Why aren't they, what is going on? It took me a long time to figure out what was even happening and I didn't understand it. Um, but the more I got into the situation, it made more sense. The twisties, she talked about having the twisties, but I don't know how much you followed that. But, um, you know, she she doesn't twist on tour and in, in other situations. And some of the things she's doing in the air are even more difficult than some of the things the men are doing in the air. And how she had had an issue twisting in warm-ups and all these things. And, and she knows that, you know, one incorrect move or landing and on her twisting can end her career. And so once, once those things start getting apparent to her, there really is no just getting over it because she knows this is, this is real. This is like an actual threat to my health and my life. And so um, that was, a, to me, a huge sign of strength to, to be able to, that had to have been terrifying to be able to say, nope, I'm out because the, all the pressure on her. Um, but yeah, that, that was a fascinating thing. And I think it opened up a lot of this conversation, which was, which was great. Um, I want to shift gears for a quick second. Let's talk about coping and recovering and getting through some of the tough times. Um, so I want to ask you, how, so how do you cope? What are some things that you do to keep yourself healthy mentally when you are feeling some of those negative things? Yeah, so for me, I, I think really what was great for me was I started doing um, better health and uh, talking to a therapist. I went, you know, about once a week for almost a solid year. Um, started at the towards the end of 2020 and then went through some some personal stuff like relationship wise and, and family wise. And so the start of 2021, I, I was a my head was a real wreck. And uh, so just talking with a therapist was nice. I, I still do like a monthly or every other month check in with my therapist um, just because I feel like I've gotten to a place where it's manageable now. And and lot, a lot of mine was brought on just from, you know, my life is so socially stacked, which I love, but, you know, I've from doing therapy and stuff, I realized like, I didn't really, I hadn't really taken the time to get to know myself because, you know, historical codependency like in relationships and stuff and so you know by taking that time to to really prioritize you know time to myself because it's like every night of the week I have some sort of league or something to do and I just listen to my you know I listen to my body now whenever whenever I feel like I'm I'm about to you know be overwhelmed or feel like nothing's going right I take the time and just pause and I like to go camping solo by myself with my dog and, and just get lost for a few days, send check-in text messages. But other than that, I'm off my phone and just like really let myself um, be away from all the noise and, and in my thoughts. That makes um, sense. I mean, one of the things you, you said, your social calendar is so full and you, you could have been doing that to sort of self-sabotage your alone time and not making you have yeah. that alone time that you might need in your downtime. Instead, you're filling your calendars. I do that. I like I overfill my calendars, and maybe it's kind of on purpose to keep myself busy and make myself 
a little bit yeah. um, overwhelmed. Um, but that that's interesting. That's and then you, you flip like, it with the it, camping. I love that. Yeah. I mean, everybody has their thing. Like, I love being, I love telling everybody yes. I love being a part of everything. But now I just understand, like, there, I only have so much in the tank before it's like, all right, I need to stop and just listen to my body and do my thing. And so, you know, I, I, I we did, we went to Louisiana, my dog and I back in May, and we sat around a campfire all weekend long, carved on wood and, and just listened to music and just didn't do a single thing other than that and hike. That's great. That's awesome. Your dog's awesome too. I, I know your dog you. from uh, kickball days and he's like one of the, one of the guys out there on the field. Um, but some of the things like when I think about your camping, I think it kind of goes back to this mindful buzzword that mindfulness mm -hmm. is, is, is such a, this trendy word. Um, but I have learned, and it sounds like some of the things you have learned to coping as coping skills come back to that also. Like I use meditation and I always used to say, there's no way I can do that. My mind is racing, all this stuff, which is why I need to learn how. And I used to start learning with um, like calm apps. And so I used different tools that helped me meditate. And it really had to learn how to settle down, how to breathe, how to, you know, take walks, whatever it is, how to listen. I love guided meditation because it is someone telling me, reminding me, counting my breaths, all that stuff until I am relaxed and just in a different headspace. Um, but some of those things make a big difference. And um, it kind of helps you in your regular life. You zone out less often. You spend less time thinking about some of your past mistakes, dwelling, over worrying, which is my thing. I will stay up all night, even last night in a rainstorm. I worry what is out in the rain, things that why, you know, that doesn't help anybody, but I worry. And so meditating like lowers all those stress levels and just sort of makes, it really makes me like a better, happier person, more confident person and all, all of those things. So, um, so, and I, I think you also have another, do you have journaling as one of the things that you do? Yeah, I love that you pointed out that you like to meditate because I, that was one of the things. So my, my therapist made all these different suggestions for things for me to try. And um, meditation was one of them. I tried the calm, the self-guided meditations, and it just wasn't my thing. And, and I think that is um, one of the things that I like to encourage is like, you know, find find your thing, like try, just, just try a bunch of stuff and find something that feels like a day at the spa for your mind. And you know, this something that's become extremely beneficial to my mental health stability has just been writing. Um, I bought a journal a few months ago and I knew if I treated it like a journal, I wouldn't stick with it. Uh, you know, just cause the, the term journaling has become such a, I feel like such a cliche term that I didn't, I didn't want any kind of, I didn't want it to be your typical journal. Um, so if, I mean, if you want, I, so I'll read you the first insert that I actually wrote in yeah. my journal, which was basically Great. the rules. And uh, so it just says, you know, dear Tyler, you're super emotional, thoughtful, creative, and caring. Make this important to you. Write something every day. That's the only rule to this. doesn't have to be the same thing every day. Your only rule is to write something. This will mean something to someone one day when you're gone. And that's all the first entry says. And I have literally stuck with this. Like every single day for the last two months, I've written something, whether it's 
a letter to someone, um, you know, just a story that I popped up in my head or, you know, a poem, something like that. I just sit down that's and whatever great. I'm feeling. I love that. I think that's great. I love that first entry. And doesn't, so as a older person, um, like when I hit 40, I realized, man, I'm learning a lot of stuff that I wish I had known earlier in my life. And so that kind of brings me to like, don't you wish you would have started practicing some of these things like as a younger person in life? Um, because I do want to talk about how mental health is really affecting our younger people and sports plays into that a lot in my household. Um, you know, the stress levels and different pressures and things. But I just want to mention approximately 50% of mental health disorders begin before the age of 14. One in five children is living with mental health disorder. And studies show that the onset of most mood and personality, eating disorders and substance um, use conditions start between adolescence and young adulthood. So like it's this, this important like transition time in life. And I feel like I didn't have any of these coping skills. I didn't know I needed them, but I think that that's part of our charge is, is maybe as parents and just community mem community members is, you know, how can we also watch that generation coming up that when this is obviously a time of their lives that it's affecting them, how can we help? Um, there's a movement called On Our Sleeves that is a movement for children's mental health. They work to change the mindset, break the stigma about childhood mental health, and they work to increase the knowledge about strategies to, to improve mental wellness. I was going to ask you a quick true or false, Tyler. Um, true or false? You should avoid the things that cause anxiety for, for children. For children? What do you think is that? Like, do you uh, think that avoiding the things that cause anxiety is the right move or yes or no? So I, I think no, just because I don't like right. to, anything that I don't deal with, I feel like it's just going to come back later. So I prefer and to deal And that's exactly with right. Like, I think that the avoidance theory feels good to us. It feels like we are avoiding the thing that makes us stress out. But when we do that and when we teach our kids that we're doing that, if it's really a safe activity, that, but it just happens to cause them anxiety, um, the more they're learning that avoiding something is a good strategy instead of learning to manage difficult situations. So we're not doing ourselves any favors or our kids any favors when we just steer them away from a specific issue. My example in my life, one of my children was scared to go to school because of some weapons and things being brought to school. And we all know there are issues with school right. shootings and violence. And, um, you know, I, I, at that time, like it wasn't really an option to just pull her out of school. So we dealt with it in therapy and different things and talked to some people at school because it wasn't realistic to just steer away and avoid that stress trigger. Right. Yeah. Um, but and then another good tip I just wanted to mention was teaching them to evaluate the evidence. Um, and that might be something you've heard of in your therapy, too. But um, when you can think through the situation realistically and maybe with the different senses and think, OK, is this is this truly something to be worried about? How much control am I in of this situation? And, and how much of a real fear is this that should be weighing on me? Um, it teaches them to kind of compare evidence for and against anxious thoughts. And then um, it, many times the anxious thoughts are actually just getting in the way of thinking through the reality of a situation. And then you can, you know, you can kind of breathe yourself through it and realize it's not, it's not really that scary or it's not really something to cause me this much anxiety. 
So have you, um, one last thing I also wanted to talk about. Um, have you ever seen any of those memes or charts, um, especially in October when mental health, mental health awareness month was going on that talk about like things not to say to help as you're trying to help your friends or people going through issues and situations with mental health. Have you ever seen those? Oh yeah. Just snap so out of it. So when I see them, I always, yeah, just snap out of it. That is exactly yeah. one of the exact um, answers. And I always have to remind myself, okay, you might not know when you're in a moment, like someone is going through something, what am I about to say that's gonna help them or not help them? Yeah. But um, so I love reminding myself of those different things. Like don't say things could be worse because I'm, I'm that person that says stuff like that. Yeah. Come on, it's it's not that bad. Like you're, you know, things, things could be a lot worse. I always yeah. say that. And I really need to learn to stop saying that because what's in someone else's perception of reality is important to have the empathy to realize Whatever they're perceiving might not be a real stressor, but don't downplay it, right? Let them feel the feelings and be able to work through them. I think it's um, important. Yeah, one, and, of my, um, one of my favorite one of my favorite things to ahead. tell a friend, whenever a friend starts to tell me something, is I, I like to tell, ask them, all right, what kind of friend do you need right now? Do you need a friend that's just going to listen, or do you need a friend that's going to help problem solve? Because my initial, my initial reaction, I'm sure like you, is to, okay, how can I fix this for you. I want to, I want to fix the problem. And so I've tried to be more mindful about, and you know, sometimes a friend just needs someone that's going to listen. To you and me both. I have that mentality too, of when there's an issue, I'm immediately like, how do we fix it? But not every, especially with mental health, it doesn't always need a fix. There isn't always a quick fix. Sometimes um, it just needs a conversation. So I, I kind of want to wrap up with that, um, that we can all help those around us that are suffering from mental health, whether it's something small, whether it's something big. And so my challenge, and this is something that the On Our Sleeves um, group talks about, is to do one small thing. So maybe this is something simple, check in with a neighbor, a friend, a colleague, a child, whatever it is, send texts, um, send an email, call, the old, you know, actually pick up the phone and call and have a conversation with someone. We all dread it at times, but when you do it, it's so good for the soul. Everybody loves actually having phone calls when you connect with somebody. You know, take them for coffee, whatever it is, whatever it is in their world. Like you said, what do you need from me? Do you just need a text? Do you need a sit down? What do, you know, what is it that we can help, I can help you be a good friend? So um, yeah, those are just some of, some of my tips. Um, but thank you, Tyler. Yeah. I'm glad that you came on here and sort of shared with us a little bit about your story. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time. This was a, uh, like I said, whenever we were talking about topics, this was when you mentioned it, I was like, yes, yes, that is, that is something that is very important to me right now. Uh, and I mean, one of the best things for me was therapy. I mean, BetterHelp is such a great resource and, you know, they have, they have uh, financial aid that's available and there's so many podcasts that are sponsored by BetterHelp. And so you can, you can find discounts and, um, I, I would strongly urge people to, you know, do the work. I mean, I, I it was, it was a challenge yeah. for me. I mean, I, I, I didn't want to admit that I was part of the problem, but, um, you know, I did the work and now it's, it's starting to, I, I couldn't tell you the last time I've had one of those where it's like, I don't want to do anything except lay in bed. So it, uh, yeah. well, that's great. I'm glad I love that, that recommendation. 
uh, it's working for you. That's that's great. Um, I've heard of that. I just never checked it out. So I'm glad you said it and um, remembered it. And I loved what you said earlier. A day at find something that's a day at the spa for your mind. That's perfect. So. Yeah. So thank you for your time, Tyler. And thank you all for listening to this episode or watching this episode of Hustle & Pro. Make sure that you follow us and like and comment however you find our show. It's easy and it's free. It means a whole lot to us. Um, and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next episode of Hustle & Pro. We'll see you next time. Thank you.